Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Peter. You know, I love that poem that Emma read out to us. And you know, God has a call and a purpose and a plan for us as a nation. Please take your seats. And I'm convinced that he loves us very much. He always has. And um, I just want to start um, this morning on this message on Australia Day, um, reading from Psalm 78 from the Passion Version um, from 1 to 7. And starts off, Beloved ones, listen to this instruction. Open your heart to the revelation of a mystery that I share with you. A parable, a proverb, are hidden in what I say, an intriguing riddle from the past. We've heard true stories from our fathers about our rich heritage. We will continue to tell our children and not hide it from the rising generation, the great marvels of our God, about his miracles and power, what he has that have brought us all this far. The story of Israel is a lesson in God's ways. He establishes decrees from Jacob and established in the law of Israel. And he commended to our forefathers to teach them, them to their children. In this way, God's ways will be passed down from one generation to the next, even to those children yet to be born. In this way, every generation will have a living faith in the laws of life and will never forget the faithful ways of God. It talks there about one generation teaching. God is telling us, teach the generations about me. That's talking about grandparents, parents and children. I just want to pray and just ask the Lord to just really direct and guide um, what I say this morning and really touch uh, your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we pray? Father God, I thank you that you love us as Australians, all of us. And I thank you, God, that you have always had a plan for us, a great plan. And you have a great future for us as a nation. We love you, we honour you and we bless you. And we thank you for the power of these words. And Lord, I, I just submit myself to your Holy Spirit. Flow through me with your life and your power and your encouragement as I share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is Australia Day. It's where we remember our beginnings as a nation and we look forward to our future. But firstly, I would like to acknowledge and honour our first Australians, our Aborigines who lived here and called this land home for thousands of years before anybody else came along. I believe one essential element that strengthens us as a nation and community is allowing all sides to tell their story. Listening to each other's stories is a good tradition and it encourages the weaving together of our unique Australian tapestry. So, Australia, who are we and where did we come from? I like to uh, have a look back at our history at some of the early days of Australia and bring us up to date. But what have we done to the English language? 
Aussies have a very unique uh, way of speaking. And uh, <laughs> we have some colloquialisms, we have some sayings, we abbreviate, we've made abbreviation an art form. <laughs> you beauty, g'day, how you going? Struth, stone the crows, hooroo, see you in the arvo, see you this arvo. We've got ambos, fireys and coppers, just to name a few. And how are you going this morning? Are you all happy little Vegemites? You remember that one? With such a blend of many cultures and nations, sometimes the old hands didn't make it very easy for the new chums and would delight in telling bush tales about drop bears and yowies that would come out of the bush and giant pythons that would get you in your sleeping bag and min-min lights that would follow you at night. <laughs> Many new Australians didn't know what to believe or what on earth they had come to. I can only apologise and hope that in time you began to understand that the, the joke was really a term of endearment and that you began to feel at home in Australia. Today we celebrate who we are and we have a look. I'd like to, um, as I said, have a look at some of our early history and if you'll allow me, I've, just, I've done some research from us Aussies, Mel Garvin's book, The Fascinating History of Australia That You Never Learnt at School and um, Cole, taken some quotes from Cole Stringer's books. And, uh, and also Charles Newington and good old Google has, um, has had a, a look in here. So the early days, between the 14th and 15th century, the Spanish, the Portuguese, followed by the Dutch and the French, all sent expeditions to the South Pacific. They were convinced of an existence of a large southern land. Some fishermen also ventured down from Asia to areas around the north near Darwin and uh, in the northwest they also were convinced that there were um, giant evil spirits that roamed this land so they never settled then came the portuguese explorer captain pedro fernandez de quiros in 1606 i believe that's a sketch of him they didn't have selfies in those days he was the first explorer to lay claim to and name us as australia Terras Australis, de Australia del Espirito Santo, the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Hang on. <laughs> Captain de Quiros was a God-honouring man who through his prophetic vision declared our land to the Holy Spirit. I'd like to read this from um, Cole Stringer's book, his actual um, declaration. He says, let the heavens and the earth and the waters and all their creatures and all those here present witness that I, Captain Pedro de Quiros, Fed, uh, Fernandez de Quiros, in the name of Jesus Christ, hoist the emblem of the Holy Cross on which Jesus Christ in person was crucified and Meribon gave his life as a ransom for the whole human race on this day. Pentecost, 14th of May, 1606, I take possession of all the parts of the south as far as the pole in the name of Jesus Christ, which from now on shall be called the southern land of the Holy Ghost. 
and in this always and forever and to the end all the natives and all those living in these lands the holy sacred evangel may be preached zealously and openly and after this proclamation the cannons roared and the soldiers fired their muskets and they all shouted in the middle of all that noise long live the faith of christ and so this is how we were named the great south land of the holy spirit i feel that song coming back on <laughs> this is a great south land come on of the holy spirit a land of red dust plains and summer rains to the sunburnt land we will see a flood and to this great south land his spirit comes amen we'll sing that one i think a little bit later on but um there's also a map of australia one of the first maps was a french map and it shows the east coast of australia going all the way down to van diemen's land or tasmania and it's kind of joined the whole lot together but this was one of the earliest um maps that we have in 1753 of Australia and uh, the name Australia comes from the Latin word that means southern legend of an unknown southern land Terra Australis Incognato dates back to Roman times um, that were commonplace in medieval geography but although it was not based on an actual um, knowledge of the continent the first english writer to use the word australia was alexander dalrymple in 1771 the name australia was popularized by in 1814 by a voyage to terra australis by the navigator matthew flinders in 1824 the british admiralty agreed that the continent would be known officially as australia and then on the 1st of january in 1901 we were officially called became the commonwealth of australia this was when all the states were united together as one nation as australia this was only 13 years before world war 1 incredible we were such a young nation when all that happened so where did all the immigrants come from where did we all come from the first um group to arrive were called pommies who remembers <laughs> who has ever been called a pommy do you know what it stands for you do <laughs> prisoner of mother england that's exactly right that's what they were called by the locals prisoners of mother england convicts and large numbers of irish were sent to australia along with some of the worst criminals that England wanted to get rid of were shipped all together with poor people sentenced and and for stealing bread to steve to feed their starving family they were all mixed in together and treated the same australia was a penal colony for about 80 years between 1788 to the 1860s second group were the english soldiers and governors The English soldiers and early governors and their families were sent to supervise the convicts and to build settlements. They hated the place. They hated the isolation, the heat, the flies, the leeches. 
these mosquitoes and the strange weather and vegetation. Many thought this was only a temporary settlement and they couldn't wait to get back to England and as soon as possible with their bonuses for serving in a remote place. Then there were the currency lads and lasses. Now these were the first Anglo-Australian children born, mostly from convicts and English soldiers. These children grew up around the early settlements. It was a dark time in England, I must say. And there was overcrowding everywhere, um, largely from the fallout from the Industrial Revolution. It had displaced people and there was a new lot of poor people. The conditions, sadly, would, were that the streets were filled with beggars and orphan children. It was noted that after 12 years at the first general muster of the colony in 1800, it was found that there were 958 Australian children. It is recorded that they were either orphans or totally neglected by their parents. The first settlers overlooked these, the needs of these children as many of them were convicts themselves, sent for stealing bread um, to, to feed themselves. They became known as the currency lads and lasses because they used an, the name of a homemade coin that had a hole in the middle of it. No, it's on another book. And it, um, they used to um, joke amongst themselves, this was their currency, this was used um, by the currency, uh, they used to, sorry, they used to use this um, instead of the sterling pound and they joked amongst themselves that they were only half as good as a pound. Can you see the Aussie humour coming back, coming in? It comes right back to our first beliefs of what shaped us as a nation and our beliefs. Peter Cunningham, RN, observed that these first Anglo-Australians were wiry little creatures with deep tans and blonde hair bleached by the sun. They needed each other and felt that no one was better than, than the other. They were all mates equal together. One eyewitness, a constant Petrie, reported that on, on their cheeky um, spirit, the spirit of courage and solidarity, if one was in a quarrel with a soldier, the whole gang would come to his aid. Governor King was surprised to observe those born in the early colony became one of the most moral groups within it. Perhaps seeing what, had, what it was like to fall into the hands of the authorities, they developed the good sense to keep their noses clean. And a certain kind of freedom came with the words, you've got nothing on me, mate. This is the beginning of our national culture and identity. It goes back to these very early days. In fact, if it wasn't for the help of the Aboriginals, many of these first Australians born here would not have survived. Their campfires became a welcome feed to those hungry and neglected young children. It is from the Aborigines that they learned their bush skills and they learned how to survive in the bush. The currency lads and lasses formed friendships with the Aboriginal children and learned their local languages. The Aborigines were horrified at the treatment of the convicts, keeping why they kept men in chains for years with floggings and beatings. And they questioned this. 
because their own punishment was swift with a spear and only in extreme cases would they banish anyone from their tribes. The fourth group of people that came were the ministers, Christian ministers and leaders. Among the convict soldiers and and governors and families were the English clergy. And also among this first um, clergy, there was a mixture of those who sadly misused their power and influence and those that did a wonderful representation of the love and compassion of Christ. In those days, um, in the ruling classes in the families, um, it was considered a career choice. You could, you could choose the military, you could be a naval officer, or you could choose the clergy. And so many of these, these men went into clergy not out of a sense of calling and a love and compassion for people or to serve God. It was simply a career path. One of these, one of the um, early um, pastors were known as um, the hanging parson, Reverend John Marsden. He um, was both a magistrate and a pastor. He served, um, supervised the hangings on Friday, led communion on Sunday, and then sentenced them all as a magistrate on Monday. So you can see (laughs) where I believe that these... um, some of these early religious leaders with their mixed messages about God's love and mercy, I believe this is where Australians' distrust of the church as an institution began. But God always has a plan (laughs) and he always has his men and women and he did that and there were many. There were many godly ministers that came and those that genuinely loved Christ and had a, a living relationship with him. Men like William Dawes, who was a genuine Christian who took a special interest in the local people and exploring the Aboriginal languages and understanding their world. And one of these men, Reverend Richard Johnson, he preached the first sermon in Australia on the 3rd of February, 1788, when the first fleet landed. He preached from um, Psalm 116 and verses um, one Well, I'll read out 1 to 13. Listen to this. This is from the Passion. I love you, Lord, for you heard my voice. You heard my cry for mercy. Because you turned my ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me, and the anguish of the grave came over me. I was become overcome by distress and sorrow. I called on the name of the Lord. Save me. The Lord is gracious and mercy, gracious and righteous. Um, our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death and my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may work, walk before you, Lord, in the land of the living. And verse 12, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. Now this psalm is about rescue and thanksgiving. And at first you might think it's a bit inappropriate to preach to convicts who have little hope of their future. But this psalm with its raw emotion and honesty great 
gave great comfort, comfort and hope to the convicts and officers who had just survived an tra eight-month traumatic sea voyage in dangerous conditions. This is, God's not afraid of our honesty. He's not afraid of our raw emotion. And calling, it's one thing Australians are good at, is calling a spade a spade. It is what it is. And this psalm summed up how they felt and they responded um, positively to that. Reverend Johnson went on to serve both the officials, the convicts, the Aboriginals with love and compassion of Christ. He started schools and taught many of the local children and he brought a lot of Bibles, hymn books and other Christian material with him when he arrived on that, on that first fleet. God always has a plan for Australia. The early settlers were a mixture of English um, immigrants and currency lads and lasses who built their bush homes and settled um, cattle stations and farmed the land. Gold, the diggers, brought many people in the 1850s from all around the world to search of their fortune. Chinese came in the gold rush. They served as cooks in many uh, remote cattle stations and um, cattle and sheep stations. The diggers of the gold field became the diggers in the trenches in World War I. The same lifestyle, that same hardship, that same um, not giving up spirit was there. Anzacs, Australian and New Zealand. We have some old pictures of some of the early Anzacs, I think. The Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. Australians, um, they're a mixture of Aborigines, immigrants and children of currency lads and lasses. I think there's some old ones there too, of, of some of the uh, original ones. These brave men and women helped define us as a nation. And their Aussie spirit and bravery were witnessed for the first time under war conditions. And the Aussie legend was born. 800 horsemen thundered across the plain. And so <laughs> reckless that the enemy didn't believe that they were actually going to charge. And they did. They charged so fast and so recklessly and so bravely that the Turks didn't have time to lower, to lower their guns to get them. So before they knew it, they were on top of them, <laughs> over the trenches. And as a result, liberated Israel from 400 years of occupation. And that, I believe, the, Lord, the word says that when you, those that bless Israel will be blessed. And I believe that that also is part of our blessing as a nation. That, that one um, brave act um, was, um, you know, instrumental in, in liberating Israel. Some of our present-day Australian culture and characteristics have clearly come from these Christian roots, I believe. That giving a fair go, volunteerism, servant hearts, that resilience, that good Samaritan self-sacrifice, nature that we have seen displayed so splendidly in our fireys and, and, um, and volunteer fire services recently and in our general congregation, our general population, the generosity that has been poured out to those in need. There has been so much given. Spontaneous groups have been giving here in Harvey Bay. 
not, not only just what we have given as a church, but the Bowls Club became a centre and a collection point. They had three shipping containers collected of goods, beautiful non-perishable goods that are going to be sent down. We're working with Australian um, um, Christian Church's disaster relief and it'll be sent down, probably down to Canberra, in between where the droughts are and where the fires have been and distributed to those in need. But this kind of spontaneous, generous giving is, is unique to Australia. And there's a sense of authenticity of what's and genuine. They're very genuine and real and honest. Um, volunteerism has developed out of necessity. Helping out your mates was sometimes the difference between life and death in hot and dry and dangerous conditions. We have seen these strengths and, as I said, in recent times, the self-sacrificial sacrificial giving that people have served and um, our first responders as well. And uh, in John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. The spirit of adventure, courage to have a go. We travelled to remote places and worked very hard. Australians are very practical people. They're both um, with intuition. Let's get it right. <laughs> they are cre creative and intuitive. They're resilient. They bounce back quickly. They don't give up. A spirit of adventure, explorers, and that spirit of of have a go. <laughs> In fact. There was an evangelist years ago that encouraged both Ross and I to take on our first church, encouraging us to step up in faith, to have a go. And he said this over and over again, have a go, face your fears, what are you afraid of? And then he said, have a go, you mug, <laughs> have a go, you mug. And that was what got us. <laughs> That's how we got into full-time ministry. I'm serious. We were considering leaving our safe, secure little position and taking on our first church, which was a pioneer situation with nothing. And it was on the words, ballot out, have a go, you mug. And we did. And here we are 40 years later, still having a go. <laughs> that spirit of adventure. Aussies have a sense of humour. We don't take ourselves or anybody else very seriously. A little disrespectful to authorities. But sadly, we have other traits that have developed at the same time. God's had a plan all along, called us the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. He loves us. He loves that, that nature. He loves that cheeky Aussie. But there's also the enemy has had schemes to destroy to steal, kill and destroy and that was evident from day one. However, things like gambling and um, alcohol abuse and domestic violence, alcohol has become our country's biggest addiction. People binge drink at a younger and younger age, both men and women. Perhaps they're looking for an escape from the pressures of life but it's only a temporary relief. It might give them a bit of boldness and courage but only to find out that things are worse when they sober up gambling and betting 
has become a huge problem. The pokies. Aussies will bet on anything. They always have. Whether it's two up or horse, horse races, dogs races, you name it. They will bet on anything and everything. <laughs> dogs, whatever. Oh, toads. Toad races. You name it. You know what I'm talking about. But what happens when you lose? There's more heartache. <laughs> but God's principles work in our lives and they work for Aussies too. When we choose to live in this world with kingdom of God principles, we will prosper. We live in a natural world with, with a supernatural Holy Spirit power within us. We are the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. God poured out his spirit upon all people and we are the recipients of that. There's, um, there's a scripture in, um, in Ephesians 5 and 18. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let nothing master you except the spirit of Christ. Um, there's also from um, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, it says, Beloved friends, what should, uh, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mer- mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God, to, um, to be his sacrifice, his living sacrifices. Live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. This has become your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This empowers us. This will empower you to discern God's will and to live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. God wants to transform our hearts. He wants to transform our thinking. He wants us to come close. He says in Revelations 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens, um, opens that door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God is calling. Just as I come to a close here, God is calling us as a nation. He is calling us to come back to him to come to Him. Like Emma said earlier, if you have not found a place to call home, coming to Jesus is like coming home. When He says, I'm standing at your door, that's the door of our heart and there's only one handle that's on the inside. It's like you can't open it from the outside. It's got to be opened up by invitation. And this is what God wants for you. It's happened before in Australia when Billy Graham came. It had a dramatic impact upon us. Over half of Australians heard him either live in 1959, either live at at events or over the airways. People would get together in church halls and listen to Billy Graham speak. And this had a dramatic impact across our nation. And it proves that Australia can respond in mass to Christ and make a 
make a difference. Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church Community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.